May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be aligned with your love, O God, our strength, our courage, and our freedom. Amen. I just can't stop grinning at y'all. Oh my goodness, you look so wonderful. And some of you have seen in a year and a half. It's really, really wonderful to see you all. There are three very strong experiences I've had recently that have informed this, the point of the sermon. So let me tell you about them briefly. The first experience is the Memorial Day visit last weekend with our 18-month-old grandson from New Orleans named Thomas Bacon. Aside from the fact that Thomas is one of the brightest and handsomest children ever born. The experience I want to highlight has to do with one of his other superpowers. This particular superpower is one that he actually shares with all children in creation. This is apart from how breathtakingly handsome and bright this particular grandson is. Thomas and all other children have the superpower of being overwhelmingly disarming. No matter how tired or grumpy or sad or cross I was, when Thomas and all children enter your space, almost always all negative energies of most people are overcome or disarmed the biochemical energy in your body literally changes when a baby or a young child comes into your presence. In other words, we human beings, and in fact all of creation, are made in a way that all of us can and do often have an impact on the way each other feels, thinks, and behaves. Experience number two, even more recently than our grandson's Memorial Day visit, my wife and I this past week entered our apartment elevator on the 18th floor, and inside the elevator was this young, obviously tired, and rather sleepy young man leaning against the elevator wall who really did look like he was in a bad mood. He was African-American, which I have come to see provides me an opportunity as an imposing white man to do everything I can to create a positive connection between young people who are black and me. I had actually noticed the same young man in the elevator the day before, and what had attracted me was he was wearing a pair of very cool jeans I liked that had bands of blue and bands of green down the legs. Never seen anything like it. So, when my wife and I entered the elevator and while our elevator was moving downward to the lobby, I said, I noticed your jeans yesterday and really liked the green and blue colors together. And the young man perked up 
he smiled at us and said, thank you, man. I like these too. I think they have great energy. I said, absolutely. I love the combination of blue and green together. They do have great energy. The elevator doors then opened. He walked out into the lobby while saying, have a good one, man. The energy in the elevator had completely changed in those 49 words he and I exchanged. I imagine you're getting my drift, which is we human beings have the power to change the day of another person, or at least the feelings of another person for a moment. Our grandson changed almost every hour of every day of his family's Memorial Day weekend visit with us. And I'm not claiming to have dismantled all systemic racism in my elevator conversation this past week, but my day, and I hope the day of that young man with the cool green and blue jeans had been changed. There are 37.2 trillion cells inside the average adult human body. And science tells us that the smallest building blocks inside every cell, all 37.2 trillion, every cell of every living thing in creation, the smallest building blocks in all creation are electromagnetic force fields of subatomic particles which are whizzing around one another inside every one of those 37.2 trillion cells. That's stunning for me. And as a consequence, my friend John Cobb and teacher John Cobb emphasizes that you and I are made up not of independent separable or separatable substances, but you and I are made up of interdependent events. Each of us is a walking set of energies or events, and those energies and events can be impacted by another person. So to repeat my earlier point, the energies and force fields within me are impacted by the energies that you emit. Or as my friend in the elevator noted, sometimes the energies in me are impacted by the clothes you wear. All of us are happy with so much orange in the room today, for instance. Research shows that our thoughts and emotions affect our own heart's magnetic field, and that in an energy orientation affects everybody in our environment, whether or not we are conscious of it. Now, my wife, Hope, really coached me not to take up too much time explaining all these things. So if anybody wants a copy of this, <laughs> she frequently says, I really loved your sermon, all three of them. Um, so, <laughs> so if anybody wants a copy of this sermon where I have about six footnotes, I'll be glad to send it to you just because I'm trying to save y'all some time. Now to Jesus. What beautiful words. Now to Jesus. Here's the third big experience I had recently, which informed my understanding of this morning's Jesus story. 
I was listening to a YouTube video of Father Thomas Keating, who is the founder of the Contemporary Centering Prayer Movement, a monk, died two or three years ago. He was addressing the question of what is good about the Christian tradition? And in the course of his answer, he gave the clearest statement maybe that I've ever heard about actually what the Christian tradition is. He said, the Christian tradition is chiefly and ultimately an experience. In particular, the Christian tradition is the experience that Jesus had of God as Abba, which in Aramaic means daddy. And I always slip in mommy also. The the Christian tradition is an experience that Jesus had of God as being loving and present and gentle. The the Christian tradition is Jesus' experience of God as Abba as well as, he said, the dispositions that come from that experience. But the experience is the core and the dispositions that ripple out come from the experience primarily. And if the institutional church, he goes on to say, and the institutional church's message doesn't come out of the energy of Jesus' experience of God as a loving parent, then there is actually no handing on of a tradition worthy of the name Christian. It's got to be about God's love as an intimate parent, or it ain't Christian. If it is not a transmission of the energy of that relational experience, then it is not the Christian tradition. And Keating went on to say, books alone cannot transmit that experience. There is a required personal transmission of a person who embodies the experience. That in part is why we were all wanting to get back together in person, right? The Christian tradition cannot be contained in books, doctrines, dogmas, creeds, although they are all important as pointers. I had a flashback when I heard that to the days here when we had daily Eucharists at noon and we had enough priests on the staff for us to take turns celebrating daily Eucharists. And I remember sitting right here in the choir stall on a Wednesday. It was Palmer Temple's turn. Those of you who are elders remember Palmer Temple. He was the head of TAC and was on staff, priest. He was celebrating and he was offering a brief homily that noon. And the text for the day was Acts 4.13. I'll never forget it. That is the text that says that after Peter and John were arrested for preaching the resurrection at the temple in Jerusalem and after a night in jail 
they were brought before the high priestly family who after they defended themselves, the family hearing them felt that they had been with Jesus and they let them go. To feel that you have been not only with Jesus, but with Jesus' relationship with this loving, gentle parent. So here's my central point. Jesus' experience of God was like the experience I had of my grandson and which I have and you have with all children. There is a presence of such love and the presence of the holy that all my negative emotions were overcome and disarmed by love and grace and beauty and wonder that all the energy of the electrons deep within me whizzing around were transformed and healed and I was totally disarmed and open and receptive to the good. I love the quotation from President Jimmy Carter who famously said that what is needed now more than ever is leadership that steers us away from fear and fosters greater confidence in the inherent goodness and ingenuity of every human being. I think that is what Jesus did by sharing or communing with every other person with whom he came in contact. He shared with them the experience he carried inside himself all the time that God is a God like a loving, unconditionally compassionate and empathic parent. That is why Jesus had all these people around him so frequently, and he had to fight to peel himself away, to go and have some moments alone. That energy was felt by all those people who crowded around Jesus, particularly at the meals he hosted. It got so bad that folks were saying that Jesus had lost his mind and his family came to take him home. Now the scholars debate how many of the very acts that are described in the four gospels actually happened. Some of them are invented metaphoric metaphors, stories that kind of suggest what they experienced of the risen Jesus, and others actually historically happened. But this story, where his family came to take him away because they thought he had lost his mind. All the scholars agree that that actually happened. I mean, you look in the Greek, it is the moment when Jesus' family changed his name from Jesus to Jesus bless his heart. You know, bless his heart is when a family member is considered dumber than a fence post or an embarrassment to the family. Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God 
is my mother and sister and brother. Or the translation, the message, translates it this way. Jesus responded, Who do you think are my mother and brothers? And looking around, taking in everyone seated around him, Jesus said, Right here, right in front of you, are my mother and my brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys God's will is my brother and sister and mother. What I think Jesus was saying to you and me was, my experience of God is of a loving, intimate parent who makes me feel safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And that is the will of God for us toward every human being. The people we meet in the elevator, in the bank, in the supermarket, on the street. These people are feeling safe, seen, soothed, and secure in the communion they and I have because it is based in my experience of God. So whoever wants to transmit that kind of energy to everyone they know, they are doing the will of God and those people are my brothers and sisters and mothers and that includes, the Greek says this, and that includes St. Luke's Episcopal Church in downtown Atlanta. <laughs> Y'all have helped me in the past two and a half years become so clear that I want to use my energy for the rest of my life to help other people detoxify their narrative that they tell themselves about themselves. Whether that toxic narrative is about some abuse or trauma they have experienced or some bigotry they have felt from others or from the culture. And when you and I live to detoxify our own narratives with the experience of God's love and then help detoxify other people's narratives, those who haven't yet detoxified their own narrative may think you've lost your mind. They may say, bless his heart. I'm so interested in Ralph McGill. I read him every day in the Atlanta Constitution in those days when I was a high school student. He oxygenated my intellectual and spiritual life. And it is said that for much of his career, he was a lone voice in Atlanta journalism, breaking the white code of polite silence about social and educational segregation and political disenfranchisement. Today is Gun Violence Sunday throughout the Episcopal Church. And it is a call for us to break the code of silence about the fact that gun violence is a public health problem and it is out of control. 777 people, just think of that. 777 people died of gun violence in Georgia alone this past year. That is why we are wearing these orange ribbons Please, when you notice those ribbons and put them away tonight, pray 
for each of those persons and ask God to help you with others find a way to give an experience to this entire culture of Jesus and Abba, God. And we have begun nationally Gay Pride Month. Um, I really started getting called Edwin Blesses Heart when I started blessing same-sex unions in my last place. The idea was, if you're going to baptize somebody and admit them to that sacrament, they need to be admitted to every other sacrament, including marriage and ordination. I think if you come to St. Luke's, God doesn't leave you alone just to be kind with one another, although that's the most important thing. But to find a way to change the culture so people who are traumatized by the absence of love can receive the healing power of your experience with Abba God. And to the degree we do that, we will not only change Atlanta, but we will be a headlight as opposed to a taillight in Dr. King's metaphors in changing this entire country. Amen.